We've been talking about imaginations. I want to just take it another step this time and talk about cleansing your imagination, cleaning up your act, cleansing your imagination. Let's go into 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 and 4 and 5. And uh, here it says, now, for though we walk in the flesh, that's where we live in a human body, we don't war according to the flesh. In other words, there's a spiritual battle we're engaged in. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we have weapons. And there is a warfare we're involved in. And they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Oh, that's good. Mighty through God. Eh? Mighty through God. No use unless you use them, of course. But mighty through God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing, uh, sorry, imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. So very clearly, you and I are in a warfare. There's no escape from the warfare. When you go out of here, you'll be in it. When you come to rise tomorrow morning, you'll be in it. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. And Jesus Christ came not just to set us free and connect us with God, but to empower us to have dominion, to actually win the war. That's a good thing to win the war. It's messy if you lose it. Yesterday we had people came and they won the battle against a whole number of things. That was great. So we were looking at one particular area is very clear here that the battlefield is in your imagination. And we saw how God designed us to be creative. We're made in his image to be creative. So let's just summarize what we looked at. We saw God has made you creative. You can create a new life. God has given you a sexual ability to do that. Notice it takes two people to create the life. God has also given you an imagination, the capacity to picture something that is not yet in being and then to begin to work to bring that picture into being. That's how God worked. He saw it in detail and then began to speak and act and it came into being. So whatever we see, someone imagined it, someone dreamed it all up. And so we have that power to be creative. And your imagination's a major part of that. Your imagination is your capacity to picture things that aren't there. And your imagination talks to you. So whatever's going on in your mind and your imagination is talking all the time. In the secular area, they call it self-talk. You're always talking to yourself. You're always listening to something going on in your mind. And if you have a vain imagination, a vain imagination is a picture which is completely opposed to what God has to say. It is completely opposed to God's perspective or viewpoint. And so it's, uh, it's a vain imagination. It's empty. It has no life. And a vain imagination will take you out of what God has for you. It says, vain imaginations exalt themselves against you personally experiencing and knowing God. So many believers live well below what God called us to live out and to be and to do. Why? Because there's areas of our mind, imagination, thinking that need to be renewed if we are to walk in power and in life and in victory. So for example, someone stands in front of you and they're sick and you come to pray for them. Almost the first thing that comes up is how bad the sickness is. And unless that imagination is overcome, no faith will rise in your heart to bring a miracle from heaven to earth. Your imaginations will lead you somewhere. So we need to understand and get in touch with what's going on in that brain, what we really think about, dwell upon, where our mind goes. Last week we saw about fantasies, which are a way uh, they can be positive, they can be dreaming about things that could be, but many times fantasies are an escape from reality into a world we can control. 
and they become incredibly addictive. And so today I wanted to deliver you. How many people found there were some things, you, you don't put your hand up, but you, you thought during the week as I've given you some homework to do of praying and fasting, you began to be aware, I've got some things I'm a bit hooked into here. Okay, well we need to get unhooked. You've got to make a decision that I'm not going to let the imaginations hold my life and shape my life. Listen, you get into some of these TV programs like, you know, Desperate Housewives, you'll get so immersed in those lives, you'll take on the identities, the values, the whole thing, you'll be, it'll shape how you view life. And then when you hear things about divorce and affairs, your conscience won't be stirred too much. It'll be dull because your mind has embraced something that is anti-God, that's actually an anti-Christ, anti-anointing spirit. came out of someone else's dream and imagination. And when you, set, when you lock in on that and begin to feed off it, not everyone does, but many do. And when they get in and lock in and feed on it, they can't do without that fix, that program. Got to quickly get back and see that program. I used to be like that was science fiction. Man, I used to get to see that program. Got to watch. I got to watch. I got to watch. No, no, you don't have to watch it all. It's just someone else's dream, and you've been caught in it. And uh, so we realize then we need to deal with it. So I want to just look about uh, some uh, areas now. I want to look, first of all, at the sources of imagination. Then I want to look uh, briefly at two aspects of our battle. One of them we'll deal with today. I want to show you how you actually fight the imaginations. You've actually got to do something. Uh, but it helps if you understand where they come from, first of all. So I want to just look, first of all, at the sources of some of these imaginations, pictures you got in your mind. We've all got them, and we've got three possible sources. One of them is the Holy Spirit. That's the one that God wants us to have. The Holy Spirit is also the source of dreams and imaginations. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, In the last days I'll pour my Spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now, God wants to drop into your mind and imagination pictures and possibilities that He has dreamed up for you. See, he, is, he wants you to operate prophetically. That means that you are open to inspiration and Holy Ghost-inspired ideas. If you, how is it that you move in the gifts of the Spirit? One of the ways you move in the gifts of the Spirit is as you open your heart and faith towards the Lord, He drops a picture into your mind. Notice He gives a picture. A picture of something. And as you begin to act on that seed and begin to give voice to it, then miracles take place, lives get changed, prophetic utterances take place. So moving in the Spirit, you've got to engage your imagination. Your mind and imagination has to be engaged and open to the Holy Spirit for input. But the Bible's very clear that in the last days, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh, and the result of that is prophetic. You begin to see possibilities. You see things that God drops into your heart, divinely inspired dreams. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts I think of you, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a hope or something you look forward to. So in heaven, before you were assigned into the earth, God wrote out and wrote a plan of the things that he designed you to accomplish. The only way that you can receive those is if you open yourself to prophetic flows from heaven to come into your life. We need to hear the voice of God. So our imagination is the area the Spirit of God drops things into. He drops them into our spirit. They rise up and you see them. An idea comes. And as you begin to mull over that idea and agree with God's thoughts, then you position yourself for change to take place. So our walking in the Spirit is about 
listening and being prompted by the Holy Spirit and allowing the Word of God to begin to shape the way we think and view life and view our future. That's very, very powerful. Now, I want to really develop that part another time. I'll do that and just to pick up that whole area of the whole area of receiving prophetic uh, input of the area of the imagination and possibilities. Because if we're going to grow, we must break out of current thinking and expand our thinking. You've got to come to greater thoughts, bigger thoughts, expanded thoughts. One difficulty in living in a small rural area is that you tend to lock into little thinking. And you interact a lot of the time with people who are in a very self-centered little world. And when you're in that world, people, if you interact with that too much, then you begin to become small and you're just concerned about yourself as well. But God wants us to have a vision of greatness, of great things. What could take place in our community? What could we do? Or immediately the imagination come up. It's too hard. You can't do that. So, so there are imaginations that lock us up with unbelief that we could do things that are really significant. And we must decide that we're going to push past those and begin to develop different ways of thinking, be open to other possibilities from God. Okay, so one source of imaginations is the Holy Ghost. He wants us to get locked in there. Here's another source of imaginations, and that's wicked spirits, evil spirits. How do evil spirits trouble us? How do they afflict us? Why? What they do is this, they impose upon your thought life and they drop pictures into your mind, images of things that they want you to ponder on and think on. When they drop the image in, then you feel overwhelmed by that at the moment and you're not aware of the presence of God. So when temptation comes or, or these vain imaginations come out of the demonic realm, they invade you and they begin to fill your mind and emotions and you begin to picture things. So, for example, you may begin to start to think about a certain person. Fear strikes your heart, and then you begin to fear this conflict you're going to have with them. And you begin to pray. Before you know it, you're working out in your mind this imaginary conversation you're going to have and how it's all going to work out. You, you end up being carried by an imagination that causes great fear to rise in your heart. Doctor comes and says something, and before you know it, you've got an imagination, and you're dreamy there, you're at your grave, and you're already watching them bury you. you your mind sort of went away somewhere. Instead of actually anchoring on what God says about our life. So that's how demons come and afflict us. They drop imaginations in. You have, a, for example, you take the Eve in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through to 6. It said, this is what the devil did. This is how he always does it. He said, did God say you shouldn't eat that? So the first thing he does is challenge the truth. See, he challenges the truth. And then he begins to put a picture in your mind. He said, look at that tree. You know what? If you eat that, you will become like God. Oh, really? I like that. And then she began to look at it. Whoa. Began to think about it. Whoa. Like God. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she took and she ate. And then when she'd eaten, she gave it to someone else. And this is what happens with vain imaginations. Thought comes into your mind, you begin to ponder on it. Before you know it, you've gone down there and you've eaten it, you've taken it in, you've taken it on board, you start to talk, and now you're talking to someone else, and now you're starting to give it to them. So, for example, you hear a story about someone, you haven't stopped to hear whether it's the truth or not, you suddenly get these thoughts in your mind. Before you know it, you've got all these imaginations about some person you've never even talked to to establish the truth. One of the greatest reasons we have conflicts in relationships is people get ideas in their mind what the other person thinks or wants or is really on about. 
we get an imagination, we fail to actually check out the truth, the facts, and ask the questions. We just let the imagination build in our mind, and we're wound up before we even talk to them. It happens all the time. All the time. All the time. This is the strategy the devil uses. And just in case you think that was Old Testament, in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, Paul says, I'm afraid and concerned for you, Corinthians, because I espoused you to Christ as a virgin to, her, to, a, to a groom. He says, I'm concerned lest the same way the devil beguiled Eve, your minds will be corrupted from just a simple trust relationship with the Lord. So he's very clear it's possible for us to entertain thoughts that take us totally out of the way that God wants us to walk. And how many, know, how many can recognize and admit, I've done it many times. Huh? We've all done it many times. Man, you get wound up. You think that person, they don't like me. They don't like me. Where did that thought come from? You don't even know. You never even asked them. You even went up and asked them, do you like me? You never asked that. You just assumed they didn't like you. Then before you know it, I don't like them. I don't like them either. And before you know it, you've gone down some path. You shouldn't be there. Well, someone says something about someone else, you don't even stop to listen, check out whether it's true. Why are you telling me this if you check the facts? Why aren't you praying for the person? You take it on board. Ooh, wow. You add a little bit to it. It grows in your mind. You tell someone else before you know it. There's gossip and slander, all kinds of things going on. That's how it all works. Okay, then. So one source of ideas and imaginations is the Holy Spirit. One source is the devil. Another source is your own heart. Your own heart. Oh, your own heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, very clearly, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart is where your life flows. Your, your life flows out of the things that are in your heart. Not out of what your education is, not what your financial position is. It flows out of what you believe truly in your heart. If you believe, if you have embraced a belief in your heart that no one likes me, every place you go, you'll find conflict in your relationships and people turning against you. If you believe in your heart, it's always my fault, I'm always to blame. Everywhere you go, you'll have problems in your relationships. You'll become the place that blame is laid every time. The Bible's very clear. What's in your heart determines how you will live out your life. So you've got to really watch what's in your heart and guard what's in your heart. Now, there are several things. So there are some things in your heart. There are two lots of things can be in your heart. And what you want to do is cultivate one and get rid of the other. So what can be in your heart can be very good. We can have dreams and desires and hopes and aspirations. Of course, if you live under control, then you may come to believe, well, no one's ever interested in what I feel and what I want. I just got to go along with the crowd. That, that is an imagination, and it brings a bondage to your life, and you never explore the dreams and desires you have. But God wrote desires into your life. He wrote gifts into your life. He wrote dreams into your heart. And you, you've got to actually discover what God's put in your heart. It's your heart, your life, your dreams, your desires. You've got to discover them and identify them. And as you identify them and own them, the Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 13, it's God works in you both to desire and will and to want and to purpose and to do of the things that please God. So we're waiting for the will of God. Sometimes the will of God is already written in desires you have in your heart longings you have in your heart but you've got to get them out of your heart and begin to dream them and then begin to get the dream into practical steps so uh, if we're going to move in the realm of uh, of, uh, of prophetic flows from God and inspire into the realm of faith you've got to one be able to hear from God and two you've got to actually access the things God's putting in your heart
or you'll never be able to actually own your life. You're always living out someone else's dream. Many children live out the dream their parents have for them instead of discovering their own dreams. You understand? So training children is about discovering what God's put in them and helping them move towards the thing God gave them. So, so one area of the dreams of our heart are really good. But there's another heart, the Bible says, that also out of the heart of man comes defiling things. So the second thing that comes out of the heart of man, you think them up yourself because you've got issues in your heart. And that is, it says, I'll give you the verse. Here it is in, Math, in Mark 7.21. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts. So some imaginations arise from stuff in your own life you need to get cleaned up. Some imaginations are dreams and visions given from God. Some imaginations are dreams that come out of your heart that God has put in there and wired in you. Some, dream, some imaginations come from the demonic realm to try and derail you, get you off track. And some dreams come out of actually issues in your own heart. And so what will happen is because you're always under observation, demonic realm can see the issues of the heart and they can actually exploit you and manipulate your fears and your beliefs and set things up to get you going, get you stirred up. Some people, if you watch them for a little while, you know what stirs them up, what presses their button. Isn't that right? You know, and, and you know what will happen? While you've still got that button there, it's going to be pressed all the time. You come out of your corner like that. You know, you know, I don't know what your button is. Could be anger, could be resentment, could be lust, could be rejection, could be self-pity, could be alcohol, could be any kind of thing. But all the devil's got to do is come along, see the button, push, and away you go. Because you're controlled by that un, unresolved, un, undealt with issue of the heart. So it's important to deal with issues of the heart and the way we think and how we work. So here we go. So some of the things that get in the heart, I'll just drop them out for you and I'll look at them another time. Just straight out undisciplined thoughts. Thoughts of fear. <gasps> What's going to happen? What's going to happen? That house may not come true. The church prayed it didn't come through. Oh God, you've let me down. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. It goes on. Don't think it doesn't go on. And don't think they didn't think that. They would have had to battle those kind of thoughts. Got the whole church praying and it got worse. Please don't pray for me again. You understand? Because of the wrong imagination. See, immediately it surfaces in the heart. Oh, God's going to let me down. And these things come up. So, so, you've got to re- so sometimes they're just things, <laughs> undisciplined thoughts. So here you are, you're going to go to have this appointment. All the time you go and you've got all these thoughts and you mentally run through how it'll all run. By the time you get there, you're in a major state. And you haven't even spoken a word yet because you've mentally done a run through the thing and got your imaginations tied away. Uh, Fear. Fear is an imagination of the future that's very, very bad for you. In spite of the fact God says God has not given us a spirit of fear. But fear, when you let them run run your life, they create imaginations, pictures of the future that are really bad and you just cringe inside and draw back. So So that's one of the areas. Another area is the area of fantasy escapes. Comforts, just finding place. That's, another, that's one area that things come. Another area is memories of past hurts. Memories of past hurts. When you've been hurt in the past, you have a memory of something that really hurt you and something comes nearby that looks like it. You suddenly get stirred up again. All the imaginations come back up again. You begin to see yourself having the same thing happen again. Then you're getting wound up. A lot of people get wound up quite easily, you know. They can't work out. Lovely Christians, they get wound up, do these weird things because they've got issues of the heart not dealt with. Uh, and then the other one is ungodly beliefs or attitudes, ungodly things. Beliefs we formed when we were growing up that we never realized were there. Like, 
a belief of abandonment. I'm all on my own. No one really looks out for me. Now, you, you try to walk with God with that belief in your heart. You can't because at crunch points, that imagination will come up and you'll always, it'll wrestle against you knowing that God never leaves you, never forsakes you. So we do have to deal with the issues of our own heart. So I don't want just to address one thing and uh, I want to look at it. There, there, are, there are two areas we're going to go to, but one today. And the first is that we need to engage in warfare. 2 Corinthians 10 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down. That's demolishing by exercising force. If you have a mind that runs away on you, you have to get management of those thoughts by force. You will have to assert yourself. A passive mind is the devil's playground. You've got to actually assert force when vain imaginations begin to rise up. Because if you don't beat them, they will talk to you and take you somewhere. You'll have to say sorry to the Lord afterwards. Come on, you don't want to go there. Don't be saying sorry all the time. I want to get victory, get dominion. So the first thing is we must engage in warfare. We must engage in warfare to confront the thoughts, to confront the things that get in our mind, and to bring the Word of God on and make them submit to the Word of God. And that's actually a daily discipline for every believer. I tell you now, many of the problems you have are because you've never got to do this for yourself. And we rely on a Sunday meeting to do it for us. It's not going to happen. On a Sunday meeting, you'll experience the presence of God. You'll be lifted up in your spirit. You may get an inspiring word that begins to speak to you. But when you walk out, you have to deal. It's your mind, your thoughts, your imaginations, your responsibility. And your life will reflect what you give yourself to thinking about. Any idea? So number one, there's a warfare. You must engage in warfare. That means bring into captivity the thoughts. You've got to get a hold of them. To bring them into captivity means you shut them down and stop them running your life. Any idea? Okay, here's the second thing we need to do. We need to also renew the mind. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't let the way the world walks press you into its shape. Don't copy what others are living their life like. You're called to live it differently. You're never going to be quite like everyone else. You are different. And you're called to be different. So be different. Dare to be different. Dare to be yourself. Dare to be who God made you to be. Just dare to live your life boldly without living under the fear of what everyone's thinking. If I'm worried about what people are thinking all the time, something I cannot have control over, vain imaginations will drive me into fear. I can't please the Lord. Bible says very clearly, Galatians 1.10, if I seek to serve men or please men, I can't be the servant of the Lord. So to serve the Lord, I've got to get over pleasing people and begin to own what God says about me in my life and you in your life. Get any idea? Okay, I want to just tackle just the one thing then, and that is how to wage a war against vain imaginations. How do you wage a war? The only good war is the one you win. The next week we'll look at then how you actually deal with the renewing of the mind. So these two things, the waging a war against the thoughts which come against you and rise up in your mind, and then renewing your mind systematically, these are the way you get to cleanse your imaginations. So one, you have to engage in an active war. 
two, you've got to look at the way you think and what you're like and begin to renew that consciously and systematically with the Word of God. We'll look at that side next week. I want to just give you some of the weapons that you use now. Now, many times what happens is a thought comes into our mind and we begin to start to go along that thought. Now, it can be a thought of a situation. It can be some kind of picture, mental picture you get. Maybe it's some unclean thing. Maybe it's some memory that you've had in the past, some kind of thing. But pictures come in the mind. How many have had pictures come in the mind? How many have had them come when you're worshiping God? Most foul things come when you worship God sometimes because you are engaging in warfare. And they come. Firstly, the thought comes to fill your mind. Then secondly, straight on after that comes an accusation. Well, what kind of grubby Christian are you thinking that? Here you are worshiping. You're a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. I think I should come up in the altar call. No, you shouldn't. You should need to get a hold of your mind. And don't let your mind get dominated like that. Recognize it happens to everyone. No exceptions. No exceptions. There are times when unpleasant, uh, uh, tormenting, invading thoughts come in at the least convenient time. And you have to wage war against them. Now, most people say something like this. I shouldn't think that. I shouldn't think that. I shouldn't think that. I shouldn't, oh, I'm thinking that. I shouldn't think that. No, no, I mustn't think that. Oh, I'm thinking that. I mustn't think that. Oh, 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 there's something attractive about the thing. And you find, for you know it, you're dreaming, you've gone down that route. How many found that? Because you're tackling it the wrong way. You know, if I put a sign up there, wet paint, do not touch. Then walk out and leave you here, and leave you here alone. You know what's going to happen? You'll be able to see that thing. You'll be able to see it. You'll see it. You'll touch. If I had a box here, a big box, do not open, secret, and just left you here. It's absolutely certain the majority of people will become obsessed with the box. A whole room, all these things in here, but the box will be the thing they'll be obsessed about. You know why? Because there's a law, and laws do not bring freedom. They just point out you've got sin operates in your life. And the more you look at that thing, don't do it, the more you want to do it. I shouldn't. I want to. I shouldn't. I want to. Oh, I will. Sorry, Lord. I won't do it again. And what goes on? You're not going to win that way. How many know that you didn't win that way? You never won that way because the Lord's got no power to set you free. If you got, the Bible says our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. So that means God has given us weapons. You have to use them. But you have to depend on the Holy Spirit for it to work. So there's got to be a faith element behind what you do. So here's one thing you can do. When you've got unclean and unpleasant pictures come up in your mind, instead of actually saying, I shouldn't think on that, look at the thought and take the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the blood of Jesus is one of our weapons of warfare. The blood of Jesus speaks. So take the blood of Jesus Christ, mentally roller it over the whole thing until that picture has now being overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. All you're seeing is the blood on that thing now. And every time it tries to get light back again, instead of saying, I'm not going to think that, you just begin to apply the blood over it till that picture vanishes. And what you do, instead of trying to stop the picture appearing, you allow the picture to be there and you paint over it. You use your imagination. You use the blood of Jesus Christ. See it demolish that thing by faith. I demolish that picture now. Yes, you will be amazed 
how doing that will just cause the picture to vanish. It just causes it to vanish, just like that. The Bible says we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb, Revelations 12, 11, and the word of our testimony. So applying the blood to unpleasant images really does shift them, really shifts them, and it shifts them real quick. Here's another thing you need to do. You need to speak and declare the word of God. Speak and declare the word of God. Ephesians 6, 17 says that, uh, you know, the, word, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Now, you actually have to speak it. Speak God's word. Now, a lot of people are quiet. They mumble. Speak God's word. You know, how do things get into the life? You dream about them and then you speak them. They start to have life when you speak them. So you've got to take the word of God, speak it. That's how Jesus overcame the devil. He spoke the word of God. You need to speak God's word over your life. Declare over your life the truth. I'm the servant of the living God. I belong to Jesus Christ. You've got to declare what God says. You agree with what God says. Start to speak it over your life. Develop a pattern in prayer of speaking the word of God over your life. You'll be amazed how your inner man begins to stand up. Yes, 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 it's true. But you, you have to decide to do that. No one can make your mouth work for you. No one can make your mouth say the word of God. You've got to choose to speak the word of God. So speaking the Word of God will make imaginations go. One of the ways you can do it is you can directly speak to the Spirit behind it. You tormenting Spirit, I take dominion over you. I bind you and I hold the blood of Jesus over you. Be gone. Just do that. Just speak directly to the Spirit. If demons are the source of some things, confront them with the Word of God. Use your authority. Take dominion. Don't just be pussy and roll over and... Come on, stand up on the inside. Get the weapons of warfare. Come on, they'll be meek and mild. Stand up, there's a lion in there that needs to overcome. It's no thinking you're going to take the world if you can't take your own mind. Okay, here's the last couple and then we finish. Okay, speaking to clear the word of God. Here's another one. You Praise the Lord. Begin to praise God when, when, when the thoughts come. I tell you what, but you've got to make it vocal. You've got to express it out. Psalm 8.2 says, you have ordained or you have appointed praise. God has designated praise to do something to still. That means to cancel an operation, to stop something that is progressing, to break down the power of something to influence you, to stop the work of the enemy and the avenger or accuser. That is why one of the, it's impossible if you are praising God strongly to have your mind invaded with junk. When you stand up and begin to consciously praise the Lord and speak out strong, sing out strong, express strongly through you, it's impossible for demonic things to remain around you. The presence of God comes into that. The Bible says in James 4, 7, humble yourself under the hand of God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. You've got to do something. So be aggressive and assertive. Praise the Lord. If the devil comes and every time he comes, you just end up praising the Lord. You're going to give up on that strategy real quick. Okay, another way you can deal with it is praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. When you pray in tongues, your spirit man is stirred, so then speak the Word of God. And finally, the other thing is, it's quite a simple, a very practical one, just refocus your thoughts somewhere else. They're really practical. Just focus your thoughts somewhere else. Get busy doing something different. 
Just redirect your thoughts somewhere else. Because what you focus on, your, uh, your life opens up to. In, uh, in uh, Matthew 6, I think verse 22, it says, whatever there is the light of your eye, it, it'll, it'll shine light into your whole body. So see, the, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if you'll direct your focus somewhere else. So if you're here and your mind's starting to go into a mess, do something, do something. It's going to drag you somewhere you don't want to go. And instead of being dragged away by temptation and vain imaginations into rejection and self-pity and depression and all that kind of thing, do something. Just do something because the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God. Mighty through God. Mighty through God. And you pull down that thing that came against you. Tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. If you suffer from rejection, tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Wage war on it. Tear the thing down. Tear it down. How are you going to tear it down? Hold the blood over it. Speak the word of God over it. Praise the Lord in the midst of it. Then redirect your attention somewhere else. You can do it. You're called to do it. You need to do it. Your future depends on it. And ours does too. Because we need you to break through. We need you to break through. So you will influence the people God called you to influence. We need you to break through inferiority, passivity, poverty thinking, rejection thinking, self-pity thinking, victim thinking, fear thinking. We're going to break through those things. You have to assert yourself to break through them and use the weapons God gave you. Jesus didn't leave us defenseless, you know. Hey, I love this. He said, don't be afraid of what's in the world. I've overcome the world. I'm with you. I'll help you. I'm here to help you advance the kingdom. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, you're a sent person. You need to understand that about yourself. We say, I don't feel sent. Nobody sent me to the mission field. Listen, the moment you walk through that door, you're in your mission field. The Father has sent you. You are sent. You are an assignment from God, an answer to someone's problem. It's your job to discover the assignment and to position yourself so you can have influence. That's your job. My job is to help you to do it. Your job is to do it. I wonder what it is that you have yielded to. What fantasy has attracted you away from boldly standing up and fulfilling the call of God? That thing, you need to come today and repent of it. And we need to break the power of your agreement with that demonic thing. Whatever thought, what imagination has been around your life that's afflicted you, that's held you in bondage, you know what it is. Why don't you say today, I'm not putting it up with it anymore. Today, I'm going to begin to enter the warfare for my mind and my life.